Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's pivot day, hump day. I don't know what you want to call it. I call it another football day here on the Drive Time Podcast. I liked the segment we did last week, Five Things I Think. You can tell me if you don't, but we're going to do it again anyways. We'll hear some more from around the web and social. We'll also hear from some of the players with the first word on the Buffalo Bills here on this Wednesday. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. By the way, Raced out there, the one that uh, said the SpongeBob meme to me about the pause before the Miami Dolphins first down, really enjoyed that tweet, good sir, and I'm going to keep doing those long pauses because I get a kick out of it and it's my show and I have the microphone, so I will say whatever I want. Sound good? Let's kick this off with the five things I think. It's funny how these Wednesday podcasts have come together through two weeks. I put a lot of time just thinking about it. Like once Caroline goes to bed on Monday night and I'm start, I'm watching the, the MNF games, the wheels really begin to turn, especially when she's awake at 1230 at night and I'm rocking her back to sleep in a dark room, just staring at dark walls. Caroline, please go back to sleep at some point in your life. Uh, there's no better time than that. There's just to think though. Sometimes it's podcast. Most time it's just staring at the dark, dark walls thinking to myself. And in those think tanks, I often come up with nothing. But then on Tuesday morning, when I'm driving little girl to school, I'm listening to more podcasts, more football content. I boot up the laptop after I get back and make some coffee and just kind of peruse social. And I think all the thinking allows my brain to get to the point that I want to be and maybe engaging more with what people are talking about on social because just like that, boom, the ideas start to flow. They start to flow in. And so we start here with five things that I think, and you saw me tweeting about this on Tuesday. I forget what day it is on the podcast every time because I record the day before. So forgive me if I'm ever wrong on that, but this is the Wednesday podcast recording on four, at 4.34 p.m. on a Tuesday. Number one, I'm all over the place, Tua in 20 Tua, that's 2022, in critical areas. As I was sipping that coffee, I thought, why don't I type Tua into the search bar. And sure enough, what I find is that the NFL network has this hall of frame award they'd give out with the picture of the week. Dolphins are two and zero in that category. Coach won last week and Tua gets it this week, unless there was a late shift in the voting. Cause what I saw, it was like overwhelmingly the picture of Tua with Dan Marino on looking in the background. And by the way, if you haven't seen that photo, like Marino has like this look of ultimate approvals. He's putting his hands together and Tua like, I've been saying this to some friends and texts and whatnot. That game to me for Tua was like a release valve was, was hit for him. All the frustration, all the negativity around his game for whatever the hell reason that he gets all that negativity, I, I, I will never know. But it kind of felt like, just like, ah, oh, it's all been released at this stage. That was really, really cool to see. So that won their award after Coach McDaniel got the Gatorade bath and won the award last week. Also, checking on the FedEx Air Player of the Week. When I checked it this morning, 78.8% of the votes went to Tua. 
uh, on 105k votes on that Twitter, that tweeter tweet. And then also, I believe Tua, I assume, I don't know, but I have to assume he should be getting AFC Player of the Week. We'll check back on that, but I have to assume six touchdowns and almost 500 yards. We'll do that, but I've been wrong before. And then yesterday, I read off some fourth quarter rankings for Tua over the last two seasons of his career, and he was in first in some of the major categories and top five and others, but I wanted to include that rookie season because it just gives you a... a comprehensive picture hat tip to Marcel Louis Jacques of ESPN for this note and it is Louis Jacques by the way I've I've seen that name mispronounced a lot of times from the guy that mispronounces more names than anybody else that one I'll give you a a a heads up on how to pronounce Marcel's name love Marcel's work by the way Uh, in QBR Tua since his rookie season second in the fourth quarter adjusted completion percentage second off target throw percentage second fewest tight window completion percentage second Completion percentage over expected, sixth. That is a stat by Next Gen Stats where they take years and years and years and decades and decades of data and they look at the coverage separation and all kinds of other factors that go into that and give you a completion percentage expectation. This stat measures how much higher over that expectation you perform. So it's the norm, how much more you perform over that. He's sixth in that category in the fourth quarter since his rookie season. Yards per attempt, a little bit easier of a stat to digest. He's eighth. And then touchdown to interception ratio, eighth. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I thought it was important to provide that, not just cherry pick, because I do think it's fair to evaluate quarterbacks removed from their rookie seasons because it's very rare that rookie quarterbacks have impressive numbers. Just go back to last year's class, and I'm sure this year's class will have more of the same. But we are comprehensive on the podcast. And speaking of that, I'm a huge fan of the Move the Sticks podcast. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks do fantastic work covering the draft, and then they see the season through the scouts' eyes. And Jeremiah had said at least 100 times in the show since I've been listening to it, and that might be hyperbole, but you get it. When he goes to a prospect's tape in college, the first thing that he gets from the scouting community is a third and medium to third and long reel. You want to see how that quarterback performs in drop back situations where the defense knows the pass is coming. Can you complete tight windows consistently in those situations? The other thing he wants to know about is how they play at the end of halves and games. And also finally, obviously your fourth quarter production in general. Well, through two games this year, here's what two of splits tell us in terms of the third down and medium to long numbers. <laughs> so this is third and seven or longer, 10 of 12, <laughs> 180 passing yards, three touchdowns, and eight first downs. So 75% conversion. <laughs> That's a 33% give or take uh, NFL-wide number. Like usually around 30% for third and seven or longer. He's at 75% through two games. If you add uh, the four through six yardage barrier, 13 of 16, 251 yards. <laughs> I'm just laughing because these are numbers. Are, these are video game numbers. Travis Wingfield, Madden 2005, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, was putting these numbers up. Four touchdowns, 10 first downs. So that's 10 first downs out of 16 tries. Like it gets lower somehow, but you get it. Fourth quarter, 18 for 26, <laughs> 249 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a 139.3 passer rating. 158.3 is perfect, by the way. Highest it goes. 
And of course, there was a touchdown in two minutes at the end of the first half against the Patriots. We knelt on the football on two plays in the red zone in the fourth quarter in that game. So at minimum, you're in field goal range. I tend to think they could have knocked it in there if they wanted to, if they attempted to. And then we get another touchdown in two minutes in the last two minutes of the game against Baltimore. So 14 points in four two-minute situations, potential for 17 or 21, if not for that victory formation. So Tua in the critical areas. That's your production you're getting out of your starting quarterback. Number two, explosive plays. The Dolphins have 11 explosive plays this year. Those are runs of 10 or more yards and receptions of 20 or more yards. They are coming up on 2021's total already (laughs) through two games. This is something we've talked about at length for a couple of years and quite frankly, a couple of decades here. I mean, Ricky Williams was the last time this offense was consistently productive. And even then, like, you know, the running back, you could have games where it's like 20 carries, 49 yards and two touchdowns, but you're not really doing a whole lot in terms of explosives. Whether it's this podcast or the post game show or the Twitter spaces, every avenue we do content on, we've been talking about this, where the one thing you need is more explosive plays and to eliminate the need for so many methodical drives because a false start, a holding call, an eligible man downfield, a drop pass, a missed throw. There are so many factors that can cause you to get behind the chains and wind up kicking field goals on those 12 play drives. You know how you get touchdowns out of those? You go like this. Tyreek this year has plays of 60, 48, 26, 23, 21. Jalen Waddle has plays of 59, 42, 33. Chase Edmonds has a 28-yard gash. Raheem Mostert has a pair of 11-yard runs. And we saw that 95-yard drive, I think actually 96-yard drive was the total on that uh, that first touchdown drive in Baltimore and actually became 98 because we start the drive with a two-yard loss on a, was it a Moster or Edmonds run? Then it took four plays to get six. Waddle for 59, Tyreek for 15, Sherfield for 12, Waddle for five in the touchdown. That sure is nice when you can do it that quick, that explosive. This offense has seven touchdown drives this season. They have gone this long, seven, uh, seven drives, three minutes, 47 seconds. That was the uh, Waddle touchdown against New England. And then the rest of them are obviously last week. Three minutes, 49 seconds to go 98 yards. Seven minutes and eight seconds to open that third quarter. Three minutes, 14 seconds. One minute, 24 seconds. One minute, 27 seconds. Two minutes, four seconds. So on seven touchdown drives, the Dolphins averaged three minutes and 26 seconds per touchdown drive. Yeah, explosive offense. Number three thing I think after Tua in critical moments, an explosive offense, is the diversity of offensive production. Coach had an awesome answer, Kawa, uh, talking about the 192 yards piled up by the non-Tyreek and Jalen Waddle players on the offense on Sunday. You can hear that quote on the Tuesday podcast, but how about the production this team is getting out of two vastly different personnel groupings per NFL True Media? 11 personnel is three receivers. When you hear someone say a number for personnel, 11, 12, 21, 00, 01, the first number is the number of running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. And then you always have five offensive linemen unless you go heavy and bring on a sixth or seventh offensive lineman. We haven't gone there yet this season. And then you have one quarterback. So that always leaves you with the remainder number being the number of wide receivers. So 11 personnel, one back, one tight end three receivers. 21 personnel equals two backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. We good? We caught up? Okay. 11 personnel this year, the Dolphins average 8.71 yards per play. That's third 
In the National Football League, they average 6.69 yards per play out of 21 personnel. There's your Alec Ingold package, which takes a receiver off the field. That's first in the NFL. And Ingold has been fantastic. So the ability to create offensive production out of diverse packages and just the, the schematics of this offense. We'll, we'll play a clip here for you guys from a couple of people around the uh, analyst sphere talking about how much they love this offense. But there you go. There's some proof in the pudding and the production and the numbers. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, number four, Greg Little and the next man up mentality. We saw Greg get a little run upon returning from injury against the Eagles back in the preseason. And here's what Coach McDaniel had to say about that. I thought he did a great job. I was proud of him, Coach, said of Greg Little. You wouldn't have thought he was progressing through an injury. I thought that he, you can't hide from the tape. And what I saw was a guy that while he hasn't been getting physical reps, he's been getting mental reps and watching his teammates perform the desired task and learning from them because he came back and played at a level that was higher than when he left, which is something that I never lose sight of. And it's a big deal to me. I was happy for him. He was able to do it. That was before or after the Eagles game, before the year started. So Greg Little comes off the bench against the Patriots and it wasn't the best performance. I think he'll tell you that. Uh, we definitely did enough to survive that game, but the pressures in that game on Tua largely came off of that right side. But his first start as a Miami Dolphin in a noisy, hostile environment, all he does, one pressure allowed, tons of good seals and reach blocks and wins at the point of attack in the running game. And a lot of that's on Odafe Owe, who was third among rookies last year behind Micah Parsons and Jalen Phillips in QB sacks. He also had 15 QB hits as a rookie campaign. Didn't get either of those on Greg Little. Good teams have an ability to do this, right? It's early, but it is a great start. You can only prove what you have in front of you. And in Greg Little's first game, he was really up to the challenge. I think it speaks to his mindset. I think it speaks to this team's mindset. And I think it speaks to the coaching job by Matt Applebaum and this entire coaching staff on this offensive line, getting these guys to play at this level. Good teams survive attrition every single year. Every year, teams that go deep into the postseason do it down big time players. The Bills last year, Trey White, it didn't really matter until it did against the Chiefs. But every year you lose key components and teams fight back, they bounce back and they make stuff happen. Let's finish up here. Number five, early season big games. This is a big one, right? We we know about this. I think this quote from coach really speaks to the magnitude of any one game. And look, I'm not going to blow smoke here. You guys know it's a big game. I know it is too. It's obvious. But I think there's still perspective to be had. And man, Teams change and evolve over the course of the year, right? Like we try to take lessons from each game, from each season. And one that I've picked up over the years, and you can't say it better than coach did after the week one win, is this. Coach McDaniel, theoretically, not outcome oriented, but theoretically, butchered that word. If we're on the journey that we want to be on, that should be the worst game we play all year in reference to week one against the Patriots, that you should always be getting better. And that's not always measured with wins and losses, but the best teams, if you want to be a good team in this league, you have to be playing your best football in the end of November and December months. So that's what we're gearing towards. And there was definitely no celebrations or parties today after the Patriots game. And that is true of the Ravens game, right? Like we all had fun as fans, but you got to get back to work and get back to Buffalo. So all 17 games are big. And, you know, maybe that's the wrong phrase for it. And I, I wanted to make this kind of like numbers based, but there isn't really a criteria that gives me what I'm looking for because, 
you know, I went back to some previous big games and it just hasn't gone well for the Dolphins. I was trying to find like maybe when both teams are over 500, maybe both teams have a victory. I don't know what it was, but just like, I mean, 2018 against the Pats, you guys knew about that game, 38-7. 2017, we had that opening day win, but then we lost the next two games akin to the 2021 and 2020 seasons where we went on runs after slow starts. Also in 2016, uh, we didn't use 2019 or 2015 because both those seasons just stunk. Uh, 2014 was the next one. You get the big opening day win over the Patriots, 29-10 the next week at Buffalo. The previous year, you start 3-0 and play the Saints on Monday Night Football, 38-17 to the Saints, and then a four-game losing streak. It's a great opportunity on Sunday, a test against a team that has given us fits, a chance to get to 3-0, but maybe even more importantly, 2-0 in the division. I can't wait. Also, a reminder, you just haven't won anything yet. Like It's fun, enjoy it, but man, these seasons are long. You're going to go through peaks and valleys. Last year, I remember Buffalo fans, after losing to Jacksonville, saying, we might not even make the playoffs. And this year, we have Super Bowl aspirations. And I remember telling those guys, like my buddy from the Rock Pile Report, like, yeah, you're going to make the playoffs. Relax, dude. You'll be just fine. Hell, our last two playoff appearances started the seasons one and four and two and four. So while we're feeling great against, you know, the uh, what we've done so far, teams like the Raiders, Titans, and Bengals fans who are really upset about their beginnings to the seasons, their seasons are not over, and we sure as hell don't have an X, Y, or Z next to our name in the standings. We'll come back on the other side and go around the web and hear from some of our favorite analysts breaking the game down. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Segment two on a Wednesday here on the Drive Time Podcast. We're going to go around the web here and hear from some of our favorite analysts about the Dolphins' production, the offensive design, the quarterback. We start here with Brian Baldinger doing his thing. Two minutes, 20 seconds. Buckle in. That was the score in the fourth quarter with 12 minutes and 18 seconds to go. And right now it's third and two. And there's River Craycraft. He's in the slot there because Tyreek Hill – He's got cramps, and he's getting worked on on a sideline. Watch what Craycraft does here. Came with Mike McDaniel from San Francisco. He runs the speed out right there. Two is not looking at him. But watch Craycraft come running and never stop running and beat the rookie right here, Williams, for that first touchdown, the first of four. All right, that was one. Then you get Tyreek right here down against Marcus Peters and Kyle Hamilton, the rookie. And you can see what speed does. He runs right by Marcus Peters, and Kyle Hamilton doesn't know what happened. Like, he's the free safety on the play, and he ran right by him. So that was two. That was 48 yards with 7.54 to go. Two minutes and 27 seconds later, there's Tyreek up at the top. I don't know what these Ravens are doing. This is a complete blown coverage. That's Jalen Moore Davis on the corner. And he lets him run right by him. Everybody else is doubling Jalen Waddle or tripling Jalen Waddle, and just like that, the cheetah was dancing in the end zone again, like he had done basically throughout the, pre- the pregame warm-up, where he was just seeing how far he could throw the ball, anybody could throw it f- farther than the cheetah, nobody. And then it came down to, here's the throw. 
because you're going to get Calais Campbell coming right at Tua, wide open and free. He beats Eichenberg right here. But he was not to be distracted at all by six foot eight Calais Campbell coming at him and just threw it to an open patch of grass and like Tyreek do the best, do the rest. And then it was this right here. There's Jalen Waddle in motion. Jalen Amore Davis, the rookie, is with him. And right here, Tua steps up, throws it up high, puts it on the rim, and just like that, it was time to do the waddle. And here's what it looked like. Three-man rush. So Tua had time to go find the exit right here and step up into this throw. Eyes down the field. He's got Waddle here. Watch where he puts it. Davis is all over him. Waddle takes it away. I think it's really funny that we get an example of Calais Campbell running full speed six foot eight with the longest wingspan in the history of the National Football League, if I'm not mistaken, with his hands in the air at Tua on the same week where Coach McDaniel talked about vision for a quarterback and the whole malarkey about like Tua's six foot and can't see certain things, but all quarterbacks have areas where they can't see certain things. I think it's absolutely hilarious that we get an example of Campbell running full steam right ahead into his face, and he makes one of his best throws of his career in that situation. Next, let's go to Dan Orlovsky, who's pumped up about this Mike McDaniel offense. This play basically encapsulates Mike McDaniel, the head coach, play designer, play caller for the Dolphins. And exactly what he did yesterday, and really in many ways who he is for this offense. All right, so it starts with personnel. What kind of personnel am I placing on the field to the defense? So they're in 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. That means my two backs are one right here, that's my tailback, and then my fullback is out here. So now I've taken that 21 personnel and I've really given you a 10 personnel, one back, no tight ends, or 11 with three wide receivers. Formation, two backs, my tight end is up here. Tyreek's here, Tyreek Hill is there, Jalen Waddle is there. So as a defense, when you see two backs, one tight end, oftentimes you're going, here, here comes a run personnel, run play. So you match your personnel. One, two, three. Three linebackers stay on the field. Okay, so now I've got you formationally exactly where I want personnel-wise. Now watch Waddle. Waddle's going to seam down, push vertical, run an out route, and then nod up the field. Safety leans this way because Tyreek and Gasicki are up here. You got Jalen Waddle, one of the fastest receivers in all of football, matched on a linebacker. Okay? There's the out route. That safety leans that way. Great job by Tua. That's a great job by Tua. Catch the snap, peek away. Okay, they over cover to that side. And now you've got that speed down the field on a backer. Watch it from the back angle. Just beautiful design, design, personnel designed by Mike McDaniel. That's your tailback to the left. Look into his eyes. Pick the left, not there. Great. I'm actually just trying to make sure that that's safety. I take him where he's actually wanting to go. And now Jalen Waddle, wide open. One of the fast receivers on a linebacker, and it strictly happens because of the personnel that I presented you with. We'll finish up here with Emmanuel Acho, who seems to be on his own mission to show everyone how good he thinks the Miami Dolphins quarterback is. Here he is saying Tua's praise needs to be heard all the way in the back. I'm beyond impressed with the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa, beast. Mike McDaniel, beast. That offense is beastly. Shout out to that defense as well. 
Tua had six total touchdowns yesterday, still threw two picks. He had 469 passing yards yesterday. He tied the Miami Dolphins franchise record yesterday. If Justin Herbert were to have done that, if Patrick Mahomes were to have done that, we wouldn't be disappointed in the Ravens. We'd be like, man, it's Herbert. It's Mahomes. You can't stop him. So I need you to keep that same energy because I'm going to keep that same energy. Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver. T. Higgins may be a top 20 wide receiver. He's, he's solid. He's solid. Justin Herbert. <laughs> Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Hill. Yeah. Like, Tua is balling now that it's a level playing field. Oh, Burrow, yep. you were drafted before me. You got two dogs at receiver. Herbert, you were drafted when I was drafted. You got two dogs at receiver. Uh, me. Y'all finally great gave point. me two dogs at receiver, and I lead the NFL in passing yardage. Woo! Okay, but... I mean, yeah, dog. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about here. So, good stuff all around. Let's go ahead and do this before we get to our last break, and then we'll hear from some of the guys about the Buffalo Bills. Uh, something else caught my curiosity while browsing the interwebs, and that was the power rankings, which I normally don't care about. I still don't care about them. But how about this? ESPN, fifth for the Miami Dolphins. NFL, eighth. That's a Jets guy that does that, too. Dan Hans is a big Jets fan around the NFL podcast. The Athletics, sixth. Yahoo, sixth. The Ringer, eighth. And Bleacher Report, seventh. Starting to take a little bit of notice. Quick segment there. Quicker show today on the heels of Tuesday's behemoth. Let's take our last break and come back on the other side and hear from the guys on the Buffalo Bills. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Finishing up here with some quotes from Monday Media from the guys. I didn't get a chance to get there as other tapings took me away from those pressers. Let's go ahead and start here with Christian Wilkins, who talks about the Buffalo Bills coming to town. Um, they're all big. I mean, you know, so you got to approach it. Uh, the same way each week you don't try to, you know, because once you start playing that inconsistency game in the NFL, you you get showed up for sure. You can't be like, oh, let's let's prepare harder this week because it's such and such. No, like we've been we've been building a good foundation since April, since we got started. Uh, guys coming in with the right mindset, um, taking care of business, being professional. Um, so from from that standpoint, it's just any other week. It's just business as, as usual, how we've been carrying ourselves since since April. Love Christian, captain, team leader. Let's hear from him next on quarterback Josh Allen. Uh, great challenge. Uh, Josh is a heck of a player. He's been proving that uh, over his last few years in the league. And, you know, he really, you know, he's, he's, got, he's, you know, he's got a lot. He can run, dual threat, throw the ball. Um, he really has few weaknesses, and we're going to be ready. Um, we're going to have to have a good week of prep to, to be able to prepare for, prepare for him. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a heck of a player. Melvin Ingram was asked about Josh Allen after that. Uh, it's definitely a challenge when you got a quarterback that can can move around back there, and Josh Allen is really one of the best quarterbacks in this league right now as far as running and throwing, and, and he he does it all. So you got to try to just cancel out every phase, really. Got to gotta have, have good rushing lanes and, and try to play complimentary football. Go ahead and finish up here with Mike Gesicki, who first told us <laughs> – 
about the implementation of the worst gritty I've ever seen in my entire life? Pretty much all of training camp. So Durham was living with me during training camp. Um, and I would, like, joke around, like, walk to the garbage can and, like, gritty to the garbage can. And, like, the first time I did it, he, like, started cracking up. And so it was just kind of a joke. And then it obviously still is a joke. Um, and he was like – or I said to him, I was like, I was like, if I, like, score a touchdown, like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be trending on all social medias for doing it in such a hilarious fashion. Um, and – opportunity presented itself like I say and uh, I don't know if I made the most of that opportunity but uh it was funny um I really was too excited I hit it in about fast forward so uh maybe slow it down but you know I mean that's what I do man I have fun I enjoy myself had an opportunity to make a play made the play and then was able to celebrate it that's exactly what I would do if I had a chance to do a touchdown dance in front of a national audience. I would do the same type of stuff as Mike Gesicki. Finishing up here, here's Mike talking about the Buffalo Bills. They're obviously, you know, one of the teams to beat. Uh, they're playing, you know, exceptional ball. Um, and they got a they got a game tonight that you know I'm sure you know we'll be we'll be tuned into. Um, but they got playmakers all over the field and in all three phases. Uh, they're extremely well coached, and you know, like you said. Um, you know they're they're at the, they're at the top right now, so uh, it's going to be a, a fun challenge and um, you know something that I'm sure everybody in the locker room is looking forward to. And there we go. I said it'd be a shorter podcast. The podcast is always supposed to be 30, but I somehow never hit that mark. And I can just hear Jason right now saying, "Hey, what do you think about the length of the podcast?" Well, Jason, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to get it down. I'll work on that for you, big dog. Uh, always looking out for me. Uh, let's let's go ahead and get out of here. Tomorrow, we have the preview podcast, taking a look at the Buffalo Bills in depth. I've already got about half of that done, so I'm excited to share that with you guys once I put it all together. We'll do the Friday show, which gives you Football Friday with Joe Marino as our guest from the Lockdown Bills podcast. He is fantastic. You won't want to miss that, as well as college picks, NFL picks, mailbag questions, assistant coach, media availability, tons and tons coming your way. In the meantime, that'll be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, Spotify, Chartable, wherever you leave your reviews, go ahead and do that for us. Helps us get out to more Doll fans, and we really appreciate that. We'd like to stay in the top 200 all year long. It's been since training camp opened. We'd like to keep it there the rest of the way as well as following me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Appreciate getting over 41,000 followers at this stage. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice, as well as our Twitter Spaces show tonight, Wednesdays, every week at 8 o'clock on Twitter. Also, the Fish Tank podcast, did I say that already? As well as the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, some drive time and Fish Tank content as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home.